0: This podcast is brought to you by SCORE Foundation.
1: Hi, my name is George Abraham, and welcome to IWay Conversations. My guest today is Akhil Paul from Sense International India. He is the Executive Director. Hi, Akhil. Welcome.
2: Hi, George. Thank you very much.
1: You've uh, been working with Sense International for many years and um, in the India chapter and uh, what got you interested in the area of deaf blindness?
2: I was working with National Association for the Blind yeah. Uh, looking after their uh, uh, rural rehabilitation projects across the country. Yeah. During that time, we used to come across uh, children and young adults and adults having more than one disability that is along with visual impairment or blindness, additional disabilities. Right. So that was the beginning and we were completely unaware what to do with them. So we used to cover them just as plain blind people Provide them support as a blind person would need, but we were unable to provide the communication support, and that always created a sort of you know question mark in what we were doing. Luckily, uh, there were visitors who came from Perkins School for the Blind, yeah, and I was uh, taking them around. We went to see three projects uh, in India, yeah, and at the end of the uh, all the visit, they said that. What do you think about all these people who have uh, deafness as well? Yeah. And I said, we are completely not in a position to do anything. And they went back and created a training of trainers. Yes. uh, A multiple, I mean, uh, a diploma course, a PG diploma course.
1: Yeah.
2: Collected about 11 of us from across the world. Yeah. I was fortunate to get that scholarship and do the course. Which, was, uh, which is still known as the VIMD, Visual impair, Impairment with Multiple Disability. Right. After coming back, that was way back in 92, when yeah. I came back from Perkins, my sole purpose in all the training program was to look into the needs of people who are deafblind. Yeah. But Sense uh, did a feasibility study in India in 95, 96. Right. Sense is a. Very old organization in, in Europe. They are the largest in Europe. Yes. For the UK. And uh, they wanted to do something for deafblind people in India. Because right. you, you might remember late Barrows watcher the wonderful Barrows Wacha, yes, set up the Helen Keller Institute for Deaf and Deafblind. Yes. So she used to go to these deafblind conferences and say that you know there's not ha- much happening for deafblind. Yeah. And that's how sense came to India. And they did a feasibility study. Fortunately for me, uh, when they opened up for a position, I applied, I got it.
1: Deaf-blindness is not very commonly seen around, you know, you see blind people, you see deaf people. But uh, deaf-blindness is something which the common man has got limited exposure to. Is this something that happens from birth or this is something that you can contract uh, later in life as well?
2: Both, George, both. In fact, uh, You might have heard uh, about a syndrome called uh, uh, rubella syndrome.
1: Yeah.
2: Rubella is something which, you know, uh, happens when uh, there is a first trimester of pregnancy. Yeah. And uh, the mother gets infected. It's a very mild kind of infection where you get some rashes, a little bit of fever. Yeah. But the problem happens when uh, the first three months, the embryo is developing and there's nothing but only brain and the you know parts related to or attached to brain, the head and things like that. So the rubella affects the development of those things which are developing the first trimester. So the, the growth happens for the full term, the yeah. physical yeah. growth happens, but the child when it is born definitely comes up with more than one disability and mostly it is visual and hearing disabilities. So that's, and there are many other causes which happens congenitally, but there are also many things which are adventitiously, which happen. You might have heard uh, about another syndrome called Asher syndrome.
1: Yeah.
2: Asher syndrome is where the, the person is deaf or by birth, and then slowly starts to lose vision because of retinitis pigmentosa. So you might have uh, heard about many, you know, children in deaf schools that, Every year, the glasses they wear become thick and thick yeah. because their numbers keep increasing. That is because of the Ashan syndrome. So, and there are many others, almost 100 such conditions which lead to deafblindness, either in, in uh, before birth or even after birth.
0: If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, Please share the IV National Toll-free Helpline number 18005320469. The number is 18005320469.
1: So if parents have to kind of identify deafblindness blindness in their children, what are the common signs?
2: The most common thing is, see, vision anyway fixates, you know, a little later after birth.
1: Yeah. But
2: hearing is something which is available from by birth. So yeah. even children who are having late birth cry, we need to be careful with them. When there is loud noise happening around the child, and the child is not waking up, that's another sign. And Now things have come to, I mean, because of the technology and and the growth and development in medical sciences, there are many equipments which can assess hearing in the child. I mean, newborn child, just hours after the birth, you can assess. So as the child grows, I think in in Indian conditions, I think we are best, uh, I would say, place to uh, see or uh, You know, get the indicators when the child is growing up because we have so many activities going around in the house. If the child is not getting startled by sound or noise, or not getting attracted when you're talking to the child, the child is not looking at you. So all these are little signs that we can immediately, uh, you know, identify the child is having some issue with hearing as well as vision.
1: What are some of the things that you'd advise parents of uh, deafblind children to do in early days to say pass their milestones, for example, or get into mainstream life in the beginning?
2: The best thing parents can do is give exposure to the child as you as you would export expose any other child in the family. You know, don't limit them because they have some limited vision or limited hearing. We need to make sure that they get experience of the world around them completely, as any other child would get. Because that's the first, uh, I would say, duty of a parent is to do that. Yeah. What happens is uh, we we tend to uh, become overprotective. Oh, the, the, my child can't see. or my child can't hear. Let let the child not go. You know, do this particular activity, or don't expose, don't take her out, don't all these kind of things we do. So the first and the foremost is that if we accept that the child has these two limitations, we need to expose them as much as possible, and we need to look at places, take them to all the places where we would take other children, so that their understanding the world increases. And something which is uh, very common. Uh, our Indian society is quite uh, I would say physical and verbal in talking we use a lot of gestures a lot of uh, hand movements head movements yeah body language I think we need to continue to do that with our children with deafblindness because that's where the total communication comes in so these you know very small things which we tend to uh, you know uh, sort of ignore oh he can't hear so always talk know and just sign or gesture no use words also they might have some hearing which we have not been able to you know uh, assess they might have a higher degree of loss but a lower decibel the child can hear so we need to use all that is available to us so i mean the best thing would be the most ideal thing would be that we have some early identification centers like a state like kerala they've invested a lot in early identification and early intervention. I I just hope that, you know, that becomes a reality in our rural PHCs and district hospitals as well.
1: You know, uh, it's common uh, sense in a manner of speaking that, uh, you know, seeing and hearing are probably the most effective ways of gaining exposure to what happens around us. So uh, you've spoken a little bit about this in your previous uh, answer, but uh, Are there anything specific that parents and family needs to keep in mind, uh, to make sure, given the vision and hearing deficiencies, uh, to ensure that um, information is being grasped and uh, assimilated?
2: See, the the world for a deafblind child is actually limited to her fingertips, Hmm. whatever the child could touch. Yeah, that's the world for her. Hmm. For us, it is, you know, the faintest noise we can hear, we know that the world is still there, Hmm. or the slightest, you know, a a building or a tree we can see we know that the world is there. But for them, touch is the most important thing. So when I uh, said total communication, it includes gestures, uh, you know, verbal uh, language, sign language, physical touch, and everything that is possible within the reach of the child. Because uh, I think almost 94% of our learning is through our vision and hearing.
1: What are the kind of schools that uh, deafblind children go to? What's the kind of education they get? Uh, What are the kind of learning tools that are made available? Uh, And and, uh, what is the level and extent to which, say, a deafblind child could be educated?
2: answer the last point you asked first. Yeah. There is no limit. There are, you know, uh, recently this last uh, academic session which started, there's one deafblind boy from Nasik who got admission in IIT Nagpur. So there is is no uh, limit to that. Uh, When it comes to, uh, you know, kind of education available, it depends on the child's, uh, residual abilities. If the child has some vision, we need to utilize as much as possible. Or some hearing, we need to utilize that as well. Fortunately, it's a, it's it's a blessing that not all deaf-blind people are totally deaf and totally blind. Right. Their number is is uh, you know quite quite small, and and that is uh, uh, one reason that most of the deaf-blind children do very well in inclusive setups. And there are some who are I would say uh, not very highly functional because of their conditions. They do quite well in a special school. So uh, when I say special school, these are schools set up mainly either for the deaf or for the blind where a deaf-blind unit sets in very well because the communication is a major key for these children. So for giving them, uh, you know, starting education is all through touch to begin with and they have a a calendar box system. So like we have a period where, uh, you know, first period is a prayer, second period is probably physical education, third period is language, fourth period is mathematics and this and that, all those kind of things we have and we carry a books like that. Yeah. For deafblind child, it is physical. So there are calendar boxes and, and the teacher starts with picking up a object which you know, indicates that particular um, period. For, for prayer, there might be a mat because all of them will sit together in the mat. For a time when they are going for music, there will be a musical, small musical instrument or something. Uh, if there's a physical education, there might be a small uh, piece of uh, towel. Or uh, for uh, mathematics, you know, all the objects which are used, they are, they're in the calendar box. And the child with the teacher proactively picks up and the teacher explains what it is. And the child also slowly gets to understand that when I pick up a musical instrument, it is time for music. So this this is the, once they finish that activity, they put the object back into the box so that it is indicates finished. But this is a simple routine that they follow to begin with till they are at a stage where they can understand how days of the week work, how months work, seasons work. So all starts with a very simple kind of calendar system.
1: So Akhil, is the pace of learning slower than, say, the regular average child?
2: In the beginning, yes, because they need to cope with the language gap. So in the the beginning, it is quite slow. But once they pick up, once they understand that every object which is around them has a name and a purpose, every person who is with them has a name and a role in, in her life, then they they pick up very fast and things go very fast. Then, then there is no end. I mean, you cannot compare a deafblind child's education after say f- uh, initial two, two years with any other child, because then their learning is very fast. So foundation is very, very important. And that's where the maximum time takes place. Even now, when we are working with uh, Samagra Shiksha Avyan, what we are doing is the children who are at home, most of the Samagra Shiksha missions have started giving services to these children at home. But what we are trying to tell them that don't make them home bound. It should be home-based education, preparing them to come to school. So we need to bring in all the elements of school education at home so the child learns and comes to the school, does not remain only in the home. And that's uh, the reason we also did a lot of work on curriculum adaptation and training teachers how to adapt the regular curriculum for a child with deafblindness in the classroom.
1: Would it be okay for me to ask you to name some of the prominent uh, uh, established centers in India where deafblind children can be sent?
2: We have uh, almost, uh, in 24 states, we are working. Up till now, we have worked with almost 60 partners. So we've got uh, four uh, uh, very strong regional learning centers. Uh, in, in the um, uh, Western part, we have Blind People Association, which is doing a lot of work in center-based work and also community-based settings. Then we have Spastan uh, in Tamil Nadu, in, in Chennai for Southern region. Then we have Akanksha in Chhattisgarh, which is doing the Eastern part. And we are also, we'd also have National Association for the Blind, Delhi, looking onto the Northern part. These are the regional learning centers, but in every state we have one state learning center as well. So uh, our ultimate objective, George, is that no parent or no child should travel more than a day to reach to a deafblind service for advice and support so we have reached to 24 states
1: what are the strategies and intervention facilities available if somebody encounters deaf blindness say in his 30s or 40s
2: very good question see uh, you know we were uh, till about 5 years back we were concentrating mainly on children and young adults yeah but suddenly we realized that you know with uh, the children whom we started in 1997 they are actually now adults yeah and that opened up a new kind of platform for us. And uh, we are now working on income generation activities with all the adults. There is a uh, adult deafblind network called URAN, where there are yeah. more than 280 members at the moment. Right, And these are, I would say, uh, 70% of them are uh, have been with us, but 30% have joined later, who have contracted uh, deaf blindness. Either they were deaf or blind, and then contracted the other disability. They have come in new, and yeah. it was uh, it was quite uh, difficult for our uh, team members, our field workers and educators, to actually train them because they were so dependent on one disability that was there with them. To accept the other one was very difficult for them, and we need to uh, work on. Many new strategies, you know, in in um, the skill development program of Government of India, in the the skill development centers, we worked uh, with their curriculum departments and right. adapted the curriculum for bringing in these adults who have become freshly deafblind. Yeah, so that's where uh, we are concentrating now. Keeping in mind, uh, we are also looking at the elderly population because, as you know, we I mean, India is going to be the capital for elderly population and we don't have anything directly working with elderly. What we are doing is we're trying to work with organizations, working with people with you know aged homes and elderly people to give them the understanding of how they can work and help elderly people who are you know, deafblind because of senile degeneration.
0: To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in. Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in. Yeah,
1: let's get to reading and writing. Uh how I mean you did mention that people use their fingertips so i guess braille is possibly one option but i also know of blind, deafblind people who communicate on facebook and they communicate on um, on the computer through email and so on so how does that
2: happen thanks to the technology george thanks to the technology which which opened up you know a new world for deafblind people uh, uh, the same equipment which are u- being used by blind people, yeah. What we have done, Jaws, which actually reads your screen, yeah. There is a Braille display unit which is working with the Jaws. So yeah. whatever is there on the screen is actually produced in Braille. So okay, that's that's a, a major kind of breakthrough, and right. uh, we we don't need to carry the whole sort of. Uh, Uh, display board for Braille. Now there are mini Brailles that can be attached through Bluetooth to your computer, to your mobile phone, and you can communicate with the world. So that is a a big breakthrough. And uh, Samsung, we worked with Samsung, I think about five years ago, to develop a new kind of, uh, it's not a new uh, technology, It's, it's the Morse code, but we opened it for deafblind. It's simply, it is on the uh, mobile phone. There are two kinds of platforms on the mobile phone. The black platform is for a deafblind person and a white yeah. platform is for a person like me.
1: Yeah. Who,
2: so I will type my message, yeah. which will be delivered to the deafblind, the black uh, platform with on uh, on a Morse code, the yeah. dash and the, uh, the long and the dash. Yeah. And every letter to letter, you will be amazed. I was very, very amazed when, when we started working on it and we developed the prototype. We started doing training of our deafblind adults. I thought that it will be the most difficult thing because smartphone cannot be accessed by a deafblind person, where to touch, and all those kind of things. Sure. So that made very, I mean, Morse code made it very simple. It just need then it just needed to hold the phone, feel that. And right. then anywhere in the on the phone, they just need to respond by doing the same Morse code what they want to respond. And when it comes to me, it comes as a text.
1: Who are some of the, uh, say, role models or brand ambassadors, you know, deafblind people who who have managed to become part of the mainstream and uh, in, not only in India, but across the world, some prominent names?
2: Oh, I will start with India. Zameer dhale is one of the great persons in terms of, you know, the ambassador for deaf-blind people. Yeah. And uh, there are two other colleagues of him, Pradeep, and also Akhtar. There are three of them. Yeah. Then uh, there is Shruti, uh, Shruti Lata Singh, who is uh, a trained physiotherapist, qualified physiotherapist. Yeah. And now she's working with us an Advocacy Lead Person. Yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, Prabhakar in in Trichy who got national the President Award this year yeah. for his his uh, support to other deafblind people in training them yeah as instructor um, if you look at world level there are I forgot the name there is a lawyer who communicated uh, and made sure that the policy changes in US for deafblind people she met Barack Obama when when he was President yeah then uh, uh, there was a gentleman. Uh, uh, who was part of the UNCRPD committee when it was being drafted. Yeah, And he made sure that deafblindness is included in the UNCRPD. There is Alice in Calcutta, who is a great... Uh, uh, she makes great cakes. She's a very good uh, artist. She dances. Then there is a, uh, a girl, I forgot her name, in in, um, in Chennai. She's a great vocalist. And
1: uh, our very own... Uh uh icon. Uh, Helen Keller was one of them, was she?
2: Absolutely. Helen Keller, who can forget? Her? Yes. Right. She's she a path breaker.
1: Right. So, uh, Akhil, it was wonderful and insightful listening to speak. And uh, there's a lot of very, very uh, interesting information you shared. I believe there's a helpline for um, uh, which since uh, operates in India for for family and people who are connected with deafblindness would you like to share that number
2: uh that number unfortunately has been discontinued but right. i'll give you i'll give you the website and our yeah. website is live every day we check yeah. and it's uh, uh, www sense s e n s e i n t short form for international india dot yeah. and in that there is Uh, You can leave your message. There's a uh, a, a button for contact us and we'll get back to you whosoever would like to contact us.
1: So I'll just repeat it. www.senseintindia.org. That's correct. Thank you so much, Akhil. Wish you the very best.
2: Thank you very much, George.
0: This podcast was brought to you by SCORE Foundation